The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek Narrated by Kurt Bonham Chapter 23 24 Caprices Is it crazy to follow a raven to the back of Trinity Church? And is Sapphire crazy because she follows a guy who follows a raven? Crazy or not, we followed the bird past the pulpit and the pedestal, where the bronze eagle statue became a raven and flew from the perch. <laughs> Crazy. A black feather lies in the doorway to the right of the perch. This way, I say. Two steps through the doorway, there's a fresh trail of blood on the marble floor and a lattice door with a bloody handprint. Sapphire latches onto my wrist. Through the lattice, I spy stairs going down. I grip my fingers through the crosshatch and shake, but the panel won't budge. An entry code box sits next to the handprint, but I sure as hell don't know the code. I don't see blood going down the stairs. Sapphire's voice holds relief. I turn. Red splotches dot the wall of a set of stairs going up, and a thigh-high burgundy velvet rope blocks the entry. Sapphire unclips the rope from the wall. I don't see any security cameras or tourists. The blood continues up six steps to a landing. A twinge hits my gut. I stop on the fourth step. There's a man's crumpled body on the landing, lying in a pool of blood. On the wall above the body, the word Sinti is scrawled in wet blood. Sapphire crashes into me. Is he? Is he dead? I lean down, touch the man's shoulder. Sir? No response. I check the man's pulse. Weak. A rush of adrenaline wrapped in hope hits my veins. He's alive. The man's face down. I turn him over, careful and slow, and spot his collar. He's a reverend. He grabs my arm, lightning quick. I swallow a mouthful of air. His eyes open. He stares into mine. Stone told me you'd come. Find Thomas. He has the music. Get it to Detective Riz. His eyes shut. His grip releases my arm. Reverend? I check his pulse again. Can't find any. I dig in my pocket, push Rizzo's phone to Sapphire. Call Rizzo's. Tell him a reverend's down and believe dead. Two holes in his sweater. He's been shot. Sapphire kneels beside me. May you rest in peace and rise in the glory of your eternal home forever in paradise, where grief and misery are banished and light and joy abide. She touches her hand sequentially to her forehead, lower chest, both shoulders. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let this man return to you. Amen. I stand. Call Rizos, I repeat. But Sapphire stays silent, her stare stuck on the dead reverend. Death has followed me wherever I go. Dead bodies no longer faze me. Sapphire, I'm going to take my phone off your hands and call Rizos. She doesn't respond, and I pry my phone loose and call. Rizzo's answers, but I cut him off. Get to Trinity Church. 
A reverend just died. Don't worry, I'll look after everything, Rizzo says. A reverend that died? Is it Reverend Dave? I don't know. This man knew I was coming, told me to get the music to you. Understood. On my way. Stay safe. The phone goes dead. Rizos is on his way. Sapphire unfreezes, crosses her arms, shakes her head. Who can say Reverend? And did he mean the Thomas we just met? Could be. I scan her from head to toe. Are you all right now? I'm sorry I froze. That priest in France lost his life in a riot. I didn't know him, but he was shot, and he and the reverend have similar faces. I take her hand. It's cold and clammy, but she squeezes. Thanks, she says, and uses my hand to stand. Let's try to find Thomas. I walk down the stairs, still holding Sapphire's hand. We cross the hallway and head toward a covered pedestal with holy water, which stands in front of a statue of a man asleep on a stone four-poster bed underneath a majestic stained-glass window. What is this, a shrine? It's Bishop Onderdonk's cenotaph, Sapphire says. How do you know that? Who's Bishop Onderdonk? I read the sign. Sapphire points to a sign on the wall. Sign also says, a cenotaph is a monument erected in honor of a dead person whose remains lie elsewhere. To the left of the cenotaph, two lit candles sit in small glass cups on a table. Behind the table, an arched doorway with an ornately carved wooden frame. A sign on the arch reads, Chapel of All Saints. And past the doorway, there's an area with seats. Where would you hide if you were Thomas, I ask. Small stones and dirt sprinkle us like light summer rain. I tap Sapphire and tilt my head toward the top of the cenotaph. Thomas? Thomas, are you up there? Father Dave sent us, Sapphire says. Are they gone? A nervous boy's voice cracks. Who's gone? Sapphire asks. The, the bad men? They yelled and hit Reverend Dave, Thomas stammers. I step closer. Thomas, Reverend Dave said to find you. Reverend Dave told me Bishop Onderdunk would keep me safe, Thomas says. He told me to climb up here and keep my head down. You can come down now, I say. A small head peers over the top of the cenotaph, tousled hair and brown eyes filled with fright. Where's Reverend Dave? Thomas's words are shaky. I throw Thomas a reassuring smile and lean toward Sapphire. He's the same boy that handed us headphones. Sapphire strains her neck and nods. Yes, he is. Thomas, I'm Boone and this is Sapphire. Come down. We'll wait with you until you're safe with Detective Rizos with the 20th Police Precinct. He's on his way. Thomas climbs down the cenotaph with little effort. Are you out? Sapphire asks. No, I'm okay. Thomas's face fills with a mixture of guilt and fear. It's my fault. I didn't know the men were bad and were going to hurt Reverend Dave. A sudden awareness flames his face. Reverend Dave is dead? 
It's not your fault. Sapphire's voice is calm and reassuring, mother-like. But if we are going to catch these bad men, we need to know what happened. Thomas straightens his shoulders. Before you came into the church, the three bad men arrived. They asked me if I knew who was in charge of the violin exhibition. I told them Reverend Dave. Thomas looks around. His body has a nervous vibe. They asked me to bring them to him, so I did, and went back to hand out more brochures. That's when you came in. His gaze drops to the floor. I didn't know they were going to hurt Reverend Dave. A tear forms. He looks at me, searches for some assurance. I place a hand on his shoulder. There's no way you could have known what those men were going to do. But Reverend Dave said for me to find you. He said, you have the music. Thomas pulls a piece of parchment out from under his shirt. Reverend Dave told me to hide and keep this safe. And Bishop Onderdonk told me to give it to you. Sapphire stares at Thomas. His ghost? I search his face for any sign I misheard him. His expression, swaddled in sincerity, tells me he thinks he saw the bishop's ghost. I look at the rolled-up, blood-stained document Thomas hands me. An unbearable heaviness that's been stuck in my chest and heart since Stone's brownstone dissipates. It's Paganini's 24 caprices. You did good, Thomas. Sapphire's voice is full of pride. Thomas surrenders a faint smile and then hugs me. Bishop Onderdonk said I'd know you when I saw you. Do you know where the bad men went? Sapphire asks. I heard them downstairs knock stuff over. The men are still here? Dread fills my chest, emptiness my stomach. What's the key code to go downstairs? Thomas exhales loud through his teeth. One, two, three, four. Wait here with Sapphire for Detective Rizzos. You're not going down there alone, Sapphire says. I can handle myself. Fine, but be careful. A nervous laugh breaks between her breaths. I twist 24 caprices in my hand and pass the music to her. Keep this safe. I go to the latticed metal door, enter 1234 into the keypad. The door clicks open. I walk down the stairs, every step a careful intention, my hearing set to owl-like. At the bottom of the stairs, a doorway, a coat rack, and two umbrellas. I grab the longer umbrella. It's no sword. I scan the passageway lit from end to end with fluorescent tube lighting. Open file cabinets line both sides, drawers open. Papers and folders litter the floor. An exit sign above a push bar door marks the end of the passageway. I close my eyes and inhale a calming breath. There's a stillness except for my heartbeat pounding in my chest. The same pounding as before a joust. I tighten my grip around the umbrella's handle and wish it were my sword. I creep forward and listen for something, anything. The first door on my left is ajar, and the room looks like the Japanese anime character One Punch Man came through, because this room's a complete wreck. Click, click. 
Lightning quick, cold metal presses up against my temple. I grit my teeth and clench my sphincter. What do we have here? Moron music man wants to play hero? Gravelly voice man presses his gun harder into my head and snatches the umbrella. What? Do you think it's going to rain? I can stall them. Buy some time with words. Gentlemen, the police are upstairs. But you have to tell Sinti that if he wants the music, I'll be the one to give it to him. How's about we just shoot you now and take the music? A younger man's voice says. I force down the swallow stuck in my throat. I don't have the music, so you'd be wasting a bullet. But how about I get it and give it to you after the police leave? This way, it's a win-win for Sinti, and no one gets a bullet in their head. I'm surprised my tone is low and calm. Search him, the gravelly-voiced man says. Two guys manhandle my pockets and loose change. He ain't got nothing, the man holding my left arm says. They're downstairs, officer, Sapphire shouts from the top of the stairs. What do you say, gentlemen? You know where I'm staying, and you know where I'll be playing on Saturday. I'll get the music to Sinti, or you can fight the police now. Your choice. Music man's got a point. Gravelly voice man pulls the tip of his gun away. You get the music, and we'll come around to collect it. Try anything smart, your pretty girlfriend gets the first bullet. The metal door bangs open. Heavy footsteps thud down the stairs. The guy holding my right arm elbows me hard in my gut. Oof! My knees buckle, and I fall to the floor, clutching my stomach. My attempts at drawing a breath are a struggle. The three men flee through the door at the end of the hall. Rizos appears, two police officers behind him. I suck in more air. They left out the door. After them. Rizos's tone, deep, deliberate. The two officers charge out the door. Rizos helps me up, his expression grave. He studies my face. What happened here? Sinti's goons wanted the music. I promised it to them later. And they bought that? Seems so. Back upstairs, Sapphire and Thomas are still standing in front of Bishop Onderdonk's cenotaph. A pudgy man in a collar shifts nervously next to them. Thank God you're okay. Sapphire's tone holds real concern, and I like it. Boone, this is Reverend Steve. He leans closer toward me. Reverend Dave was a good man. His stare sours. And you got him killed. Mr. Daniels fought off the men who killed Reverend Dave, and my men are in pursuit, Rizzo says. Reverend Dave was supposed to retire next week, Reverend Steve says. He stayed to give Professor Stone Paganini's music as a favor, and now he's dead. I let Reverend Steve direct his rage at me. He's scared, angry, and grieving. Secure the area, Rizzo directs two officers who've arrived. Yes, sir. The officers head back the way they came toward the front entrance. Two men and a woman covered head to toe in white arrive next. And you three, do what you do best, Rizzo says. 
They wheel in equipment and cases on carts. A woman with red hair wearing brown slacks, a tan tweed coat, a visible badge on her belt, and an instantly comforting smile walks up to Rizzo's, taps him on his shoulder. Rizzo's relaxes his posture and turns. Reverend Steve, Thomas, this is Dr. Hicks. She's a specialist who helps folks who've gone through a similar experience. Please go with her. Rizzo steps to the side to allow Reverend Steve and Thomas to pass. Come with me. Dr. Hicks' calm-you-on-the-spot tone brings me instant calm. Reverend Steve and Thomas follow her past the pulpit. Mr. Daniels, Miss Anju, this is an active crime scene, so let's move up front. Rizos directs us to an empty pew. Let's see that music. Sapphire hands Rizos the parchment. His face affirms the music is authentic, and he hands it to me. You and Miss Anju should go find Professor Wakambi now. Where? I ask. He's most often at his office in the Steinhardt building. His office is on the lowest level with the archives. Start your search there. Ugh, I ate the archives. Sapphire's face scrunches up in disgust. There's rats down there. Big rats. Rizos pulls out a red box from his jacket. Here, Mr. Daniels. I open the box, pull out a large square shape, and inhale deep. And it smells like sweet earth. That's for the roaches. He smiles, hands me a larger box. This box is for the rats. New York City rats. Is there any other box for vermin or bugs you want to give me? I ask. Detective Rizzos hands me a small flashlight. No, just this. Rats and roaches hate bright lights. I slip the flashlight into my pocket. Sapphire, let's go to the Steinhardt building. Coming up next in The Devil Pulls the Strings by J.W. Zarek. Chapter 24, Wakambi's Office. <laughs>